you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living. We hope you enjoy this podcast, and for further information, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Ah, such a good day. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are, wherever you are, because we now have people watching from all over the country and beyond, and so it's really, wherever you are, I hope you're having a great day. Make it so. Uh, The theme for this month has been, we are a force for good in the world, and I saw the, the card that we created for this theme, we passed it out in January. Uh, we are a force for good in the world. Remember when we could pass things out? Remember when there were people that we could pass out? Well, that was a, wow, that was, a, that was real. Anyway, on the back of this card, it says, our duty, it is our duty to behave as though limits to our ability do not exist. We are co-creators of the universe. And that's by Pierre de, Tehard de Chardin, Pierre Dehard de Chardin. He was a French uh, Jesuit priest and also a paleontologist. And um, and I just th- I just I've always loved his wisdom. You know, I I was I want to just catch everybody up. If you have not watched the previous talks, I encourage you to do so, so that you kind of just see that there has been a theme, and the theme has been about us collecting our energy, our our ability to focus. And, and be a force for good in the world. And, uh, you know, that ability to use the force or chi or energy or power or universal law, it has a lot to do with, all of that has a lot to do with our self-concept. If we don't believe that we can, if we don't believe we should, if we don't know that we need to behave as though there's no limits to our, our abilities, then then it, it's all about somebody else. We just watch movies. We, we revere others who have stepped up. Whereas uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really badly paraphrasing Marianne Williams right now, when, Williamson right now, when she said, in a, in a way, who am I not to be used by God for a purpose greater than myself? Who am I not to be? I know that this, uh, this philosophy appeals to people, especially if they come from traditions that, that put them down, then there can be a real appeal to this, this particular philosophy. But it can stay real surfacy. It can stay, uh, uh, make me feel good, don't make me question myself. Make me feel good, make, don't make me grow. See, people can come here and like us because we don't believe in hell. We don't believe people are going to hell. Hell's already exists. It's in a state of mind, and there's plenty of people in it. We don't need to send anybody there. Uh, people like us because we tell people that they're not inherently bad. Unfortunately, some of those same people do believe that some people are inherently bad. So, like, that doesn't work. And that they should go to hell. Oh, no, there isn't any. So... You know, we, if, if people want to be upset with religion, they can be upset with this also. We are inclusive, but then sometimes people think we're not inclusive enough. Uh, uh, they kind of like, it, like hearing that affirmations work, and then they start to turn God or the universe into a cosmic slot machine, where if they just say the affirmation enough, eventually it will pay out. 
And all of that is superficial because really what we're asking people to do is, is to, to shift how they view themselves. And then they will relate to what's going on differently. We can't change what's going on. We can change our relationship to it. And then with it, we can shift things. With it. We need to see ourselves as innocent, lovable, powerful, and embracing of all life. And that means even our enemies. Jesus said it doesn't do us any good if we just pray for people we like. I'm paraphrasing. It's when you pray for your enemies that things really shift in you and for them. So how can we make that shift happen? How can we start to see ourselves in a different way? Like Tehar Deshardan said, how can we see that um, our limits don't exist and that we are co-creators of the universe? Well, I was getting ready to do this talk last night and a, an opening scene for a program that, oh my goodness, it was on a long time ago. So this is so dating me. But it was the $6 million man. And in that, there's this guy that they're telling the story of, of a, a gentleman that had been in a crash and he had broken so much. And they said, and this is what they say at the beginning of, of all of the, the series was, we have the technology to rebuild him, make him better than he was. And so I believe that we have the spiritual technology to rebuild our self-image and make it better than it was. That technology shows up in the world's great spiritual traditions and spiritual writings. It shows up in the Bhagavad Gita. It shows up in, in something that I'll be teaching next month in October, which is the Ramayana. And it really shows up in the Bible, especially the Psalms. So, you know, I could look, I could just open the book of Psalms and it says, um, hmm, uh, let's see. Unto thee, O Lord, I do lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee and I shall not be ashamed. How many of you have ever felt shame? And here's technology saying, if I lift up my eyes, my, myself, and I am lifted up by you, then there's no shame, and, I, I fall, and shame falls away. I, this, this is so potent. My new spiritual practice is reading a psalm a night now. So I want to start with the 23rd psalm, uh, because it's well known. I will be saying things from it, and may, many of you will have heard a parts of it, or all of it. When I was a little girl, it was my centering prayer, even though I didn't know I was praying and I didn't know I needed to be centered. What I do know is that my mother moved myself and herself to Alaska to marry a gentleman that she'd been dating, seeing. And I was taken away from my family and my surroundings and everything I knew. And I knew then no one except my mother and sort of Leroy. And at night, I was so afraid. I was okay during the day, but at night when the lights would go off, I was so frightened. And I would find myself repeating the 23rd Psalm over and over and over again. I don't know how I found it. I really don't. My family was agnostic. I don't even know if we had a Bible in the house. But somehow, this was my touchstone for finding peace so that I could sleep. 
What I want to say is that what we teach about prayer, especially this thing called scientific prayer, is that it's never about changing God. It's about us opening up to God's presence and an experience of heaven, an experience of harmony and balance, an experience... Well, let me just say that my new definition of heaven is that it is existence rightly understood. So that there's a sense of deep peace. So I will just share some of the words from the psalm and give you some of the meaning behind it. And hopefully it starts to soothe you. What starts out with, and I bet a lot of you know this, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. It's hard to understand that because we hardly ever see sheep and we don't see shepherds with sheep around here much. But David had been a shepherd and he knew what the shepherd's job was. The shepherd's job was to care for the sheep. That was the shepherd's job. He was to protect the sheep, care for the sheep, make sure the sheep had everything they needed, make sure that the sheep had food, make sure that the sheep found water, make sure that the sheep felt safe so that they could sleep at night. A shepherd's job was to care for the herd. And so what he is saying is, my Lord, my God, its job is to care for me. The universe's job is to care for us. For you, for me, it's to care. that's its job. It's described a little more succinctly in Hinduism when there is Brahma, which is the creator, Vishnu is the sustainer, and Shiva is, they say, the destroyer, but it's really just the recycler. So something is created, sustained, and recycled. Three gods in one, what's that sound like? <laughs> Trinity. But Vishnu's job was to sustain creation. Vishnu's job was to keep harmony. Vishnu's job was to care for everything that had been created. And that's what David is saying God is doing for us or for him. And he was saying it from such an elevated place that he was speaking for all of us. Just like when Jesus would say something from an elevated place, he was speaking for all of us. When he said, the Father and I are one, he was saying that from such an elevated place that he was actually saying that for all of us, not the individual Jesus, but I, I, the I am that is in all of us. He's speaking for all of us. I want you to let that sink in. It is the universe's job to care for you. I shall not want. That's much like a line out of my interpretation of uh, the Lord's Prayer that some have read as give me this day my daily bread, but it's bread means substance. It meant everything. Give me this day everything I need. Let me be sustained. Monica DeCluet and I play a game and it goes like this. And it is, what miracle did you have from last week? We call it Monday Miracles. And we just talk about how God has showed up in our life. And it has to be something that's like so out, out there that's like, well, it had to be some sort of divine intervention. The last divine intervention I shared with her was me telling her about a, a video that I'd seen 
on the internet and I didn't know how to find it again because I was standing by my husband. We were in the kitchen. I'm standing here. My husband's standing here. And it goes through my mind that I wish that I could find a video that I had seen that I knew that he would enjoy because he used to rollerblade with our dog, Sophie. And they would race. Well, on this video that I'd seen on the internet, there was a woman rollerblading and she was racing with her horse. I thought, boy, Tim would love to see that. Because he loved to race. He loved to go as fast as he could. And Sophie would go as fast as she could. And the horse, when the woman was rollerblading, he would trot and then he got into a canter because he had to race. He just couldn't let her get ahead. And I thought, oh, Tim would love to see this. Wow, Tim would love to see this ding. I get a Facebook message. I open it up and there's the video so I can show my husband. Things like that are normal because the Lord takes care of me. Even the small things, the big things. How many of you realize that it could be involved in everything? But some of us just turn to it when we're really in trouble. <sighs> he restoreth my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Restoreth my soul. The, the image that I get is that we're... we're we're electric cars and we need to plug into the electricity so the car can run. And our car is our, our physical body and our mental body. And right now, 2020, how many of you are running on empty? Because you're always responding. You haven't like, I didn't, you know, everything's crazy. Like, What? And the and the and the in the mind, uh, some of the psychologists and psychiatrists are saying it's like we're we're in constant post-traumatic stress syndrome because this is so stressful. We're, we are getting fried. Circuits are not working, and then it it, it affects our body and our ability, uh, our body's ability to to heal itself and to respond to things like viruses. And yet, the soul can feed and heal the mind that can feed and heal the body. And it is God that restoreth our soul. It's like our soul is that, that, that magic engine that can be replenished by our connection to spirit and then everything starts to run better. It restores my soul and leads me in the path of righteousness, not rightness, not I'm right. Rightness and wrongness is not righteousness. Righteousness is inclusive for its namesake because the nature of God is inclusive. The nature of God is love. And so righteousness always includes love for everyone and everything. It, we are righteous so that its nature can be revealed through us. A lot of people are right, but it's a celebration of their wisdom. <laughs> Righteousness is an appreciation of the wisdom of God unfolding in them. I, uh, I was telling someone that, in fact, I've told a lot of people recently that uh, I'm surprised my family still love me because I was so darn right as a kid. I was so darn right as a child, as a, as a youth. 
I was way ahead of my time. Things that are sort of normal now, I was talking about then, but I was obnoxious. I wasn't righteous. I wasn't inclusive. I was just rightish, you're wrongish, which took a lot of love on their part <laughs> to continue to love me as I said this. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside still waters. I can just imagine that David was running out of words to share what it's like to be so serene. And so, for desert people, people who were used to looking at scrub brush, because I was there, can you imagine the image of green pastures and still waters? Doesn't that conjure up an experience of peace and ease and refreshment and renewal? And that the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, leads his soul into that place. It can lead our soul into this. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now listen to this image. He did not say the valley of death. He said, the shadow of, the, of death, the valley of the shadow of death. See, a, a shadow has no substance, and a lot of things we fear really have no substance. Death has no substance. Yeah, we're going to lay the body down, but if you've studied near-death experiences, that's when the party gets started. One of my, my, my husbands, because I've had a few, uh, went through a transition experience this year. And he actually laid his body down while I was at the Wailing Wall in uh, Jerusalem. I got the message then. It was, so, it was so strange to get it then. But before he did that, he would tell people, I'm not afraid. He said, no, 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 I've seen the other side. I have, the veil is so thin. Really, death is just an upgrade to first class. Made me feel so secure. But we have these shadows that we're afraid of, these things that have no substance in our soul, but we can make real, and therefore we're afraid. We have, we have the shadows of I'm alone and it's only me. We have the shadows of oh, I'm powerless. We have the shadows of I'm a failure. We have the shadows of I'm not likable. We have the shadow of I don't know what to do. And thou art with me. If you want a powerful mantra, it'd be something like this. God is with me. God is in me. God succeeds as me. So let's do that. I'm going to give you a chance to repeat. And, and you know, if you're out having brunch someplace, if people still do that, <laughs> and you're embarrassed, then don't say it out loud. But try this. God is with me. God is in me. God succeeds as me. Thou preparest a table before me. I'm sorry, yeah. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. I actually had to do some commentary on this and do some reading, but this is very, very powerful. First of all, enemy 
in Aramaic is not somebody that's bad or evil. It just meant somebody you're out of sync with. And God knows how to bring the two of you together. If you really want to live a God-centered life, God knows how to bring people together. And especially if we're letting it, letting that spirit be upon us and, and walk with us through the valleys of our own doubt, it will bring things together. There was someone who I was out of sync with for about at least eight years. Well, maybe 10. <laughs> Let's be honest. I was just out of sync with them. I didn't think they were evil. I just thought that they were really wrong. Uh, in a lot of theological ways. And one evening, I got a text begging me to pray for one of their family members who had just had a horrific experience. And I immediately called. I immediately found out what was happening. I immediately went into prayer. And when I hung up, I realized that there was no more enemy. You can't pray for somebody. You can't care for somebody and be an enemy. And, and they reached out to me. It was so orchestrated. Thou preparedest, prepared a table of peace in the presence of mine enemy, and mine enemy disappeared. Thou anointest my head with oil. The tradition of anointing the head with oil was an act. It was a ceremony. It was a ritual to set people apart for a holy or important work. So they would anoint the head of the future king, of the priest, of the, of the, of the high priest, of someone set apart for something important. What I love about this is he says, thou anointest my head. Like, yeah, he was probably anointed with, by a traditional ceremony when he became king. But you know what? He said, no, you did it, God. You anointed my head with oil. What if there is the presence of God upon us? The, 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 the spirit of God is upon us. What if it's always anointing us and we just didn't pay attention what if those of us that are called to, to experience that presence are also called to be that presence in the world, but we're just not paying attention? That we've been set apart, but we're just not paying attention. That we have a gift to give, but we're not paying attention. And my cup runneth over. What I... Uh, found out is that, and I knew this, I knew this, but I had to remember it uh, because I've heard this before. In, in desert conditions, in, er, in arid conditions, the law of the, of the land was a law of hospitali hospitality. If somebody came to you, you gave them something. If, you, if they came to you, if you had a little bit of water, you gave them a little bit of water. If you had a little bit of food, you gave them a little bit of food. But the more you cared for them and revered them and thought they were special, the more you would give them. So you might give them a whole cup. And what David is saying is, because of you, my cup runneth over. You, don't, you just haven't given me a little bit, God. 
You haven't given me just a tiny bit, just enough to survive. You're making my cup runneth over. I am revered, I'm honored, and I'm supplied. Once again, I am supplied. I shall not want. My cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house, consciousness, house. I shall dwell in the consciousness of the Lord forever. See, once you feel spirit working in your life, you can depend upon it working in your life forever. If, 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 if spirit can show up and, and give me a video that I would love to share with my husband, and it's not that big a deal, it will show up for big deals. It has showed up to heal me physically, I was going to say two really big times and lots of little ones showed up and totally shifted the way my body functions too many times to count. I shall not want. I plug into spirit. My soul is renewed. My mind changes and my body follows suit. And it shall happen that way forever because I will dwell in the remembrance of my connection to God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I'd like to end with a ceremony, a traditional uh, ritual of anointing. So get your oil out, <laughs> your holy oil. And if it is, as one gentleman said, the oil from a, 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 a fish oil capsule, then so be it. Baby oil canola oil, olive oil, holy oil. You know, some, this is holy oil, and I don't want to downplay it, but somebody said it was. So say whatever you've got is holy. Was it last week where we had the song, Everything is Holy Now? Everything is holy now. Holy is what you say is holy. Everything is holy now. I think we've, we've all had so much happen recently and the most immediate thing that I can think of is that we had the death of a great woman, um, a pioneer for women's rights, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. May her memory be blessed. Some saw her as a great light but all light, especially if it's a candle, if it goes out, it's done nothing. But if it lights some more candles before it goes out, then it's done something. So if you enjoyed or are enjoying the privileges that came because of that progressive thinking, then let that light be a light in you. I was reminded that I really showed up at a great time if I had showed up a decade earlier, I would not have been able to get a credit card or lease an apartment by myself. So much has changed and it will continue to change for the betterment of all, for the inclusion and blessing of all. So 
It's up to us to carry that light, to be a place where that light shows up, and we have the power to do so. We are a force for good in the world, but we thought we weren't. So guess what? Let's ordain ourselves. If you're in the room with someone else, then ask them to take the oil and put it on their finger and to find your crown chakra. It's kind of the most tender spot in the very top of your head. Tradition says that that is the place where spirit continues to touch the soul and move into the body. And then take the oil, know it's holy, because everything is holy now. And have someone touch your head or touch their head or touch it yourself and just feel it. Feel the temperature. Feel the pressure of your finger on, your top, on the top of your head. And say something like this, I accept that the Spirit of God is upon me. I accept that the Spirit of God is upon me, flowing through me, in me, and as me, and I am being set apart for a purpose greater than this individual self. I am being set apart and empowered to do something in my life that is beneficial to others. I will no longer live for this self, but I live for the great self that lives all life. I am allowing myself to remember that I incarnated for a purpose. I suited up at this time and this place for a purpose, a high and holy purpose, and I don't even know what it is and I don't need to know what it is because God has set me apart. And its rod and its staff shall lead me in the ways of its righteousness. So feel it, acknowledge it, and I'll end with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's words. Fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And so it is. <laughs>